I was that girl, a sad alone, quiet in my own little corner. Population me, myself, and I. Silence was a soundtrack to my life. My friends were the shadows that lurked behind you. My name would often get spit on by my peers for they not know who I am. So I would just sit soundless with my head held down and nothing to say. I was that shy and quiet type that liked to stay in the background. That's where I felt most comfortable. But it didn't matter how far away I got from my enemies, they was always there following me, calling me names like Dirty Diamond, and they would even laugh and question me on what soap I used. And when they would walk past me, they would grasp my hair and jerk it back. My hair follicles felt like screaming. I fear if I told, no. I thank God I was never the one that thought about killing myself of what few people said over and over about me. It wasn't worth theirs or Satan's satisfaction. So I began to do what any young Christian would do. I prayed. Not knowing God was building me under pressure to form a beautiful diamond, he created people to be putting in my life to help me tear down the walls and build doors of opportunity. So Lord, friends and family, thank you for finding me in my corner. Lord, for you can do all things but fail. Amen. Come on, Heritage. That was amazing. <laughs> wow. Wow. Powerful voice for a 17-year-old, isn't it? Powerful, powerful, powerful voice. Diamond, I am so proud of you. Thanks for sharing your journey with us. And God has given you a voice, girl. God has given you a story and use it for his glory. Amen, church? All right, let's give Diamond a hand. Great job. Great job. So proud of you. Well, hey, Heritage, how are we? Good. Those of you here at Rock Island, those of you at Bettendorf, welcome. What a powerful way to step into the word this morning. Amen? Amen. So, hey, if you're new here, welcome. My name's Justin. I'm part of the ministry team here, and I am excited that you're here. Now, today we're actually concluding a four-week journey that we've entitled Go Be Love. And, and if you've been at Heritage for you a while, you know that every year we normally do a two-week focus, a global outreach focus, a faith promise focus, in which we kind of unpack the way that God has, has positioned us to link arms and, and both do ministry in the Quad Cities, but to facilitate a kingdom work all around the world. But this year, we, instead of a two-week focus, looked at a four-week focus that really in, in, informs our 12-month focus as a church. But not just for us as a 12-month focus, but really as we as followers of Christ seek to live sent and seek to go be love, what we've unpacked in this journey over the last few weeks and what we're going to conclude today is this lifelong applicable teaching on what it means for us to go be love. Now we began this journey a number of weeks ago in which we looked at the reality that our God is at work all around us. He's at work in our homes. He's at work in our neighborhoods. He's at work in our communities, our workplaces. Our God is already at work in our city, in the quad cities, and he's already at work around the world. Now, the cool thing about our God is that this holy God invites you and I who have stepped into relationship with Jesus to be part of his work as we love him, as we love others, as we make disciples. In other words, God is inviting us to be part of his work and to go be love. Now, a few weeks ago, we began to unpack the reality that God's love is greater than bondage, all right? God's love is greater than bondage. 
Anyway, it's the reality that the promise that we have, that the love of God is greater than any bondage. The hope that we have, that you and I, as followers of Christ, can be free from whatever has held us back. Jesus said, if the Son sets you free, you'll be what? Free indeed, right? And later in the New Testament, it says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. The great news that you and I can walk in freedom. But not only that, but as we seek to go be loved, as we seek to live sent, that we can take the message that regardless of what bondage, regardless of what life cycle pattern, regardless of addiction, regardless of the shame and guilt that maybe we've carried, the good news is, is that because of Jesus, we can be free from bondage because the love of God overcomes any bondage. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the reality that love is greater than apathy. And unpack the reality that our world, there is brokenness all around us. People who are dealing with tragedy, who are hurting. And that compassion is the love that is greater than apathy. In other words, the love of God in us compels us to get down when somebody is suffering and someone is hurting and meet them where they're at and love them and care for them and meet needs and not just to stand back apathetic or or indifferent to what others are experiencing around us. But the love of God compels us to demonstrate compassion, to get down and dirty, to use that terminology, because the love of God in us says it's not okay to stand on the sidelines. It's not okay to be indifferent. But when we love God, the love of God in us is greater than apathy. Last week, we unpacked the reality that love is greater than despair. Now, most of us in the room have experienced a season of despair, right? Whether we lost a loved one and and we were grieving or perhaps bills were piling up on our table and we didn't have the means to pay them or something was going on in our world that we just said, look, I'm hopeless. There's no hope. We've all been there, haven't we, in some way, shape, or form. But here's the good news. The love of God provides hope. The love of God provides hope. And the promise that we have, because the love of God does give us hope, it doesn't matter what circumstances are going on around us. But we know that love is greater than despair. So as we interact both in our world and our lives and as we interact with those outside of these walls in the cities and around the world that are experiencing seasons of despair, we can say, in Jesus, there is hope. In Jesus, things can be different. And today, we're going to unpack the reality that love is greater than injustice. Love is greater than injustice. And in many ways, these three weeks that preceded this kind of roll up to this reality of love is greater than injustice. And we're going to lean into that today as Christ followers. But listen, before we do, I think it's important that we understand one thing about God's heart for justice. This isn't a new fad. This isn't just a new cool thing for us to talk about as a church and churches all over the place. Just this, this cool thing, this justice idea. And by talking about justice and leaning into justice, it doesn't some way make us heroic and in some way make us important. The truth is, the reason why we as Christ followers need to lean into God's heart for justice is simply because God deeply cares about justice. Now, I'm not talking in the penal sense, like somebody messes up and they break the law and man, justice should be served. That's not what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about God's heart for justice, biblical justice is God's care and concern that things are right and things are good. In fact, I would would tell you, if I were to ask you, in fact, before I tell you, if you were to say one thing that is central to God's character and who God is, what would you say? Love, right? Love. I'm sure somebody at Bettendorf said that as well. Love. How many of you would have said love? Anybody? 
Amen. Preach it, brother. Preach it, sister. Preach it, cousin, right? You are absolutely right. We cannot take love out of the character of God. It's central to who he is. But here's what I want us to know today. Even before we begin to lean into justice, is that just as love is central and core to who God is, so is justice. So is justice. We look throughout the scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. We see that God's heart just beats for justice. And we're going to look, we're going to scratch the surface together today. We're going to look at a couple of scriptures because this is a discussion that will be ongoing. But for us today, at the very core of biblical justice and God's heart for justice is one important truth. One thing we got to get, and it's this, that all people are created with value and dignity. All people are created with value and dignity. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you came from. It doesn't matter what side of the river you grew up on. It doesn't matter what school district you went to. It doesn't matter the color of or the lack of color of your skin. It doesn't matter the socioeconomic status that you reside in. It doesn't matter whether you speak English or you don't speak English. The reality is that all people, all people are created with value and dignity. We find this in Genesis chapter 1, in verse 26. We'll get there in a minute. But remember, in Genesis 1, God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates the birds. He creates the fish. He creates mosquitoes. Yeah, I don't know why he did that, but he did. Okay? But here's the deal. God creates everything, and then we get to verse 26, and something is completely different. Check this out. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Let us make mankind, men and women, male and female, in our image. Whose image? God's. Now, for some of us, we're like, well, Justin, that's not new. For some of us, it is, and that's great. But listen, if we can grasp the reality of this, we can come to understand that our value and our dignity is given in that moment that God says, I have created you in my image. It's a theological concept called the imago Dei. Everyone say imago. Imago Dei. Dei. Very good. Very good. All right. And this is the idea that the imago, the image of Dei, God, is that you and I, it is here that we find our inherent value, our inherent dignity, our inherent worth. And what's interesting is that even after the fall, Genesis 1 is what we just read. As you get to Genesis 2, and then we get to Genesis 3, Adam and Eve get one simple command from God, and they messed it up, right? Imagine that, right? We've been there. We've done that. But here's the deal. Even after the fall, even after sin entered mankind, even after brokenness entered our world, even after death entered our world, God showed his love and his care and his concern and his value for the creation that he made in his image, in the imago Dei, with the value and dignity, and that he sent his own son, to come to earth, to die for the sins of the world so that we might be reconciled with God, right? The value that God placed on his people, his creation, the value and the dignity led him to send his own son to die for our sins. That's called restorative justice. God restored us. And another kind of theological term, is justification. Here's the deal. Jesus died, paid the price for our sins. As we step into relationship with him, right? We are justified. Listen, this is what it means. Just as if it never happened. Just as if our sin never happened. That's how God sees us. That's how he values us. In fact, in a couple of weeks, 
you're going to see the Steelers just mauling the Patriots, okay? I just said it. I just said it. It's going to happen. But on Thursday night, not this Thursday, but next Thursday, as the Steelers are just pounding the Patriots, you're going to see a man or a woman somewhere in the stands with a sign. And it's going to say John 3.16. And that scripture is exactly what we're talking about. The reality that God so loved, God so valued, God so saw the worth in his creation. God so loved the world, his people, that he sent his only son that whoever believeth in him shall not die but have everlasting life because they're justified just as if it never happened. There's value in their dignity. John says it this way in 1 John chapter 4. He says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. In verse 10, it goes on to say, and this is love. Not that we loved God. Listen to this but that God loved us, God valued us, God cherished us so much that he sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Isn't that amazing? That's the gospel, is that God loved us and valued us so much that he sent his son to pay the price, to justify us just as if it never happened. But the cool thing about our God is not only did he justify us, but then he, after we have stepped from death into life into relationship with Jesus and been justified, he then sends us as ambassadors of this message. Remember Jesus said in John 20, just as the Father sent me, I am sending you, right? He is sending us as ambassadors into a world to a people who are encountering bondage and who want to be set free with the message that the love of God can overcome any bondage. In Jesus, you can be free. He's sending us into a world that is struggling with brokenness and finding themselves in traumatic places with the, the message that, listen, we care, we love you because Jesus has loved us. He sends us into a world that is experiencing despair and for us to come alongside and say, listen, there is hope. There is hope because of the love of God. And he is sending us into a world to a group of people who have been stripped of their dignity, stripped of their value. Another way to say this is that God is sending us into the world to stand up for injustice, to stand up for injustice. Now, you may be asking, what is injustice? Great question. Here's the definition I want to work with. Injustice is anything that seeks to strip a person of their worth. Injustice is anything, anything that seeks to strip a person of their worth. Now, when we look at our world, that could mean a number of different things, right? I mean, Diamond was just up here and rocked it, right? But she told us about someone or a group of someones who sought to strip from her the dignity, the imago dei, the, the value and the worth that God had placed on her as she was bullied by a group of people right? You see, injustice can be something, it can be someone, or it can even be a system that knowingly or unknowingly, right, sometimes it's not even intentional, is stripping people of their worth, stripping people of their dignity. Now, let's be clear, you can't strip a person of their worth. They're made in the image of God, but there are sometimes people or things or systems that seek to kind of hide that, but as we as a people seek to go be love, our God is calling us to stand in the gap and to reconcile what is the injustice, people being treated as if they don't have value and they don't have dignity, and to reconcile that with what should be, that people should be treated regardless of where they're from or their background, as if they have the value and dignity because the imago Dei, the image of God, is in them. Another way to say that is that the love of God compels us to pursue reconciliation. The love of God compels us to pursue reconciliation. 
You see, the goal of reconciliation is to bring healing in these gaps. The goal of justice is to bring healing between what is the injustice and what should be, that people should be treated as if they have the value and dignity of the image of God, image of God bearers, right? Jesus saw a gap, came, and he made a way for us to be reconciled in our relationship with God. And in the same way, God is calling you and I to be ministers of reconciliation, to take that same message out into the world, to stand alongside those people who are experiencing grave injustice. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. The apostle Paul, who God radically changed his life, right? He was a guy that massive injustice, treated people terribly, killed people, had people killed for following Jesus. God transforms his life. And listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. All this is from God, who reconciled us through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Time out. Justification, the value, just as if it never happened. God restored us, and because he has, check this out. It says, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. As though God were making his appeal through us. His appeal for what? His appeal for reconciliation. His appeal for justice. You see, as ambassadors of him, we, rec- we represent him. We represent the God most high. And we go out into a world and say, you matter. The image of God's in you. The image of God's in you. The image of God's in you. And then we seek to share and represent the heartbeat of God. Now, there's scriptures all throughout that point to God's heart for justice. Let me just look at a couple and see as we read these. If you can just hear the heartbeat of God for justice. Check out this one in Isaiah chapter 1. Verse 17 says, learn to do right. Seek justice. Listen to this. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Why? Because the oppressed have value and dignity. The fatherless have value and dignity. The widows have value and dignity. Look at Jeremiah chapter 22. It says, this is what the Lord says. Do what is just and right. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor the one who has been robbed. Do no wrong or violence to the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow. And do not shed innocent blood in this place. Do you hear God's heart for justice? God's heart that people would be treated with dignity and value because his image, they are image bearers of the Most High God, the creator of the ends of the earth, regardless of if they're foreigners or widows or orphans or those who have been oppressed, those who have been robbed. God is saying, I have called you followers of Jesus to stand in the gap because the love of God in us compels us, compels us to pursue reconciliation, healing between what is the injustice and what should be. The people are all should be treated as if they have value and dignity. Now, as a church over the last number of months, we've been looking at this kind of through a two-gap concept, right? You guys remember this? So check this out. Let me explain this in a way that that kind of connects with this two-gap reality. So you and I here, we we were created in the image of God with value and dignity, inherent value and dignity. But then we entered sin, right? And there was this division because of our sin that was created between us and God. But God so loved us, God so valued us, that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. Why? Because a just God knew that there was a price that had to be paid. 
And so he sent his son to pay it because he so valued us. And as a result, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that he rose again from the dead, we'll be saved. And then as we're saved, God sends us to build bridges, right? He sends us to, to build bridges to people, whether it's a cultural gap, whether it's a language gap, maybe it's a gender gap, maybe it's people who are, who are just enslaved in bondage or despair or brokenness or facing tragedy. God is calling us to build bridges to people. Now, there's a group of people over here that day in and day out are encountering injustice, whose value and their worth and their dignity are being stripped away, whether it's by people or a group of people or something or a system that is stripping away their dignity. And what God is asking us, that the love of God compels us to pursue reconciliation, is that we build bridges, that we develop relationships. Another way of saying that is, listen, building bridges positions us to restore dignity. Building bridges positions us to restore Dignity. Listen, here's what happens. We start to develop relationships and build bridges, and it begins to break down the us versus them mentality, right? It's no longer them or they. They're experiencing injustice. They're being treated in a way that is stripping their value and their dignity. Listen to what happens. Because when we grow to love people, think about the people that you love. If somebody you love is experiencing injustice or is being treated poorly or being cheated and being oppressed, we don't stand by, do we? How many parents in the room? Anybody? Parents? Bettendorf parents? Okay, let me ask you this. If your child is being oppressed, your child is being bullied, if your child is being told they're no good, if your child is being cheated, how many of us stand by and do nothing? Oh, no. Mama bear and daddy bear come out to play, right? That's what I say. (laughs) They come out to play. Why? Because we deeply care about our kids. When somebody that we deeply love and care about is being mistreated, we don't stand by. But here's what happens. As the love of God compels us to pursue uh, uh, reconciliation, we begin to build bridges and develop relationships, and it's no longer those kids. They're my kids. It's no longer that woman, it's my sister, it's my brother, it's my friend, that's my family. And because I love them and because I'll stand with them, there is no way I'm going to let injustice or somebody oppress them or somebody try to steal their value and their worth from them. Because building bridges positions us to restore dignity. I think that's why in Micah chapter 6, Micah, through God, through Micah says this. He says, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Listen to this. To act justly. To pursue reconciliation. To build bridges. To act justly. And to love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. You see, all people are created with value and dignity. And we as a people who are sent to go be loved are sent to go stand in the gap and to love people, to build bridges and to stand up against injustice. Now, some of you guys are going, okay, Justin, I'm tracking. I'm tracking. What do I do now? Give me some some help. Give me some tangible, just easy ways to look at this. And listen, this is just scratching the surface of justice and we're going to have more discussions. But let me just give you one idea here today. And it's simply this. Consider the story of your stuff. And you're like, what did you just say? I know. Consider the story of your stuff. Listen, each and every day you and I buy things, right? 
We make transactions, we acquire things, and there is a story being told about what we value based on what we buy. Let me explain one tangible example. How many coffee drinkers in the room? Anybody? Oh, somebody is excited. Come on. <laughs> me too. Huge coffee drinker. First thing in the morning, I find my Keurig, I hit the button, and then the, then the day can start, okay? I'm a huge coffee drinker. But listen, the coffee industry is one that is performing great injustices all around the world. You see, the farmers who are growing these beans that we love to enjoy, some of them are only compensated pennies on the dollar for what their product is worth. And why is this happening? Well, because there's no one, some of us don't even know what's going on. We don't even understand that people are being cheated and being stripped of their value and their dignity based on, we just don't know, so we don't know to stand up. And there are some of us who know, but we're not willing to stand up. And even in the area, something as simple as coffee. Now, if you want more information, you can go to the wesleyan.org. You can find the Wesleyan Justice Network. There's a link there that you can go and kind of really see the stories about some of the stuff you're buying, right? And for some of us, this is all new. It's been new to me too in the last five years. But as a church, as heritage, we've started to ask the question is, what is the story of our stuff, especially with coffee? All right? And you may have noticed when you came in today that we've introduced a new coffee, a brewed coffee. We haven't touched your cappuccino, okay? Everyone good? All right? But your brewed coffee, we've introduced a new coffee this week by a coffee company by the name of Just Love Coffee Roasters. All right? Just Love Coffee Roasters. Now, here's the significance. is not only is it great tasting coffee, and it is, all right? But here's the deal. All of the beans are fair trade beans. Let me translate for you. That means that the beans that were produced, the beans that were bought, were bought at a rate that are considered a fair wage for the product that's been bought. Translation, the farmers who grew that product are being compensated in a way that is fair. But not only that, when you see fair trade beans anywhere, they are guaranteeing that there was no slavery involved in the process in producing those beans. There was no slavery anywhere around the world. Absolutely. So here's the significance. My ask of you is to just simply consider the story of your stuff. Because all of us, not all of us, but most of us like coffee. But in some ways, by seeking that cheap cup of coffee, we could potentially be actively taking part in stripping the dignity and the worth from somebody. It's not our intent, is it? But we just don't know. So consider the story of this stuff. Now, another cool way God is positioning us in the Quad Cities as a church is to stand in the gap for our kids to stand in the gap for our kids. You may know this or you may not, but there's a direct link today between the number of people in prison and their academic scores as children in elementary school. Let me translate and say it a little bit differently. Prison administrators today can predict accurately how many prison beds or how many prison cells that they're going to need in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, based on looking at reading scores, math scores, standardized test scores of our children today in elementary school. It's staggering, isn't it? But here's the cool thing. God has positioned Heritage Church in the Quad Cities. And what he is asking of us as we seek to go be love is to say, not our kids, 
Not our kids in Moline schools. Not our kids in East Moline schools. Not our kids in Davenport schools or in Bettendorf schools. Not our kids in Geneseo. Not our kids. Not our kids. Our kids will be getting the education they need so that they can walk into the value and the purpose and the plan that God desires them. Well, our kids aren't going to be in jail because we as the church, the body of Christ, not just heritage, the church, the big C church, God is asking us to stand in the gap for our kids. Now, what's really cool about our God is he hasn't just asked us to stand in the gap and not give us any direction. In fact, God has, through a partnership with 180 Zone, now called the 180, name change there, and Davenport Schools, he has allowed us and positioned us through a relationship with Jefferson Elementary School to love and serve the kids and the staff and the team at Jefferson Elementary School. Now, we've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. Let me show you a couple of pictures of Jefferson. Here's a picture. If you go downtown Davenport, you're heading west, you're going you're gonna to come to a road called Marquette. Take a right on Marquette, you start to head up the hill. There's this massive school that looks just like this, right up on the hill. All right? Cool. Very cool. But hey, check out this second picture. Here's this, this sign. It says, Jefferson School, home of the Jets. How cool is that? Jefferson Jets, right? But here's what I want to see today. It says, welcome Mrs. Montoya on the bottom. Now, here's the cool thing. God hasn't only positioned us to be a part of Jefferson, but God has even allowed us today, Heritage Church, to not just welcome Mrs. Montoya on a sign, but to welcome her live in person, okay? So Heritage Church, will you join me in welcoming with a warm Heritage welcome, Mrs. Cammie Montoya. Very neat. Not only is Cammie here at our Rock Island campus, but at our Bettendorf campus, Nicole Wiemet is there uh, representing Davenport Schools and Jefferson Elementary, kind of one of your right-hand people. And so, Nicole, stand up for us at Bettendorf. Give everybody a wave, high five, jumping jacks, or whatever you're going to do. Okay, that's good. All right. But anyways, Cammie, I know this has been the first week of school, and there is a number of things you could have been doing this weekend. So thank you, thank you for being here. Uh, one of the things I've really loved about Cammie is I've got to know her and interact a couple times is her heartbeat for her kids, her kids. She loves her kids. And so what I'd love to do today, Cammie, is just for you to share with us as a church kind of your reaction when you heard that Heritage wanted to come alongside you to love and serve your kids and your team. So what was your reaction, your team's reaction, uh, as they heard about Heritage wanting to engage? Sure. Um, it sounds like such a simple question, but really it's a tough one because how do you put into words that you were given this opportunity at this brand new school to be a part of these students and staff's lives, and then someone comes to your door and says, we have a thousand plus people that want to help and support you and to wrap around these families and students. So truly, you know, we are speechless. But I guess to put it simply, we feel blessed. We, you know, I've just barely scratched the surface and announced it to the staff of all the amazing things that we will have um, in this opportunity and the journey with you at Heritage Church. So we are beyond excited. Very neat. In fact, yep. What's, what's kind of funny is that we called Cammie in a week early for her summer vacation and said, hey, we got to talk, right? <laughs> and so I had a chance to meet her in that way. But tell us a little bit about Jefferson. I mean, we shared just little bits and pieces, but as you, Cammie's, Cammie's first year as the principal, she's been a principal in the district, but they have repositioned Cammie to give some leadership to Jefferson School. And so tell us a little bit about Jefferson uh, from your point of view. Sure. Jefferson is an amazing place. Again, I'm still learning uh, along with a lot of others uh, being my first year there, but it is the home to 60 plus students staff members, about 500 students, and every day we grow uh, wow. for a couple more. It is in one of the
the hard-hit areas of poverty in Davenport. It is 100% um, free lunch. We serve breakfast every morning to about 300 students, 6.30 a.m. They're in a line ready to eat. So we have the opportunity to work with amazing staff and students there every day. It is currently one of the lowest performing schools um, in the area, but that will soon change. It will change. It will change. Absolutely. So as Cammie and I have talked, and we've talked about building bridges, what, one thing that I've committed to Cammie is that we're going to start small. We're going to develop trust. We're going to develop relationships and just watch God blow the doors off, okay? But we're going to start small. And so what, what I'd ask Cammie is to share with us, six months from now, a year from now, what are some ways that you can envision Heritage Church just wrapping around and loving and serving you and your team and your students and families? Sure. You know, it's exciting just to think about it. it keeps me up at night because the opportunities seem endless. But like you said, to start small, we're doing a food pantry beginning there. Uh, we are going to be serving food to at least 10 to 12 families right at the beginning, about twice a month. And we'll just continue to see that grow. We also think of other things, the bigger picture, sporting um, events, teams, things like that. A lot of these students don't get the opportunity to have those experiences very young. So we hope to kind of even the playing field for them when they get to intermediate and high school so they can you know, jump in at the same stage as everybody else. Yep. And so we're going to start with a food pantry twice a month. The 10 to 12 families, Cammie and her team will be the ones to identify. And then they've asked us as a church to kind of come and facilitate that. And we're going to start with the 10 to 12. It could grow from there, but we know the heritage. We're going to figure this out on the fly too, right? And so we want to get better at what we're doing so that we can serve more families. Um, one other thing that I love about Cammie is that she champions her staff. When I talk to her about her staff, she just speaks glowingly of them, loves them to death. And so one of the ways when she said, the way you could best help us as a, as a, as a school is to love and serve our staff. So what I've committed to, she mentioned they have 60, 60 staff that work under Cami, and we are going to partner one person with every single staff member. And at least once a month, those people are going to write notes of encouragement to those staff members just to say, hey, you're not alone. You're making a difference. We believe in you. We're praying for you. How cool is that? Pretty neat, isn't it? And then, and then this summer, the Jefferson Jets baseball team is going to trot out onto the field. So I'm so pumped about that heritage. We're going to lead the charge on that. And who knows what God's going to do uh, in the days ahead. And so, Cammie, let me ask you one more question. How can we as a church, how can Heritage Church pray for you and your team and your kids? As you know, it just kind of goes back to what you've been talking about that all of our staff, our students, their families, and we have some in the audience tonight, which is great, um, and just that they get their basic needs met, that they have everything they need to be able to come and provide for our students every day and continue to help them become better people. Very neat. Very neat. Well, Heritage, can we pray for that? And I tell you what, if you're a teacher and you're sitting out here in any of our campuses today, will you stand up right where you're at? Just teachers in any of our schools, doesn't matter. Don't be shy. Stand up. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Come on, Heritage. <laughs> Stay standing. Don't sit down yet. Don't sit down. Amen. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you do. Heritage Church, can we pray for these teachers that are standing and for Cammie and her team as they begin this new school year? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for these men and women who are standing. Thank you for Cammie and her team at Jefferson Elementary. And God, I pray today that you would anoint each one of these men and women. 
God, grant them wisdom. Grant them the ability to be patient. God, the moments where they feel like they're running against a wall, God, I pray that you would just fill them with the love of Christ. And God, I pray that they would see significant growth in their students as they love and serve them and teach them. But God, I pray that their influence just wouldn't stop with students. But God, that families would be transformed as you use these men and women that are standing here today and other teachers who are represented all across this region. God, may you use them in a mighty way to transform the lives of our kids. So God, we thank you. Look forward as a church to engaging with Jefferson. God, I pray that the love of Christ would be evident all over the Quad Cities, but especially in West Davenport, right there at Jefferson Elementary School. Lord, we love you and we look forward to what you have. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Let's give our teachers a hand. Give Cammie a hand. Thank you. Now that's cool stuff, isn't it? That is some cool stuff. And listen, if you want to be a part of that work, both at Jefferson, some of the things we do at Jefferson, we're going to mirror down at the Esperanza Center as we love and serve the Florissante neighborhood, all right? But if you want to be part of those, at our Go Be Love tables right out in our lobby, there's a place where you can sign up, and we're going to have some informational meetings. In fact, next Sunday, um, 1 o'clock right here at the Rock Island campus, we're going to have an informational meeting for the Jefferson School Initiative. Um, we have a whole bunch of people that want to jump in and get excited about that, praise God. Um, and so we're going to begin that journey. So I encourage you to stop out at the table, and you can find out more information there. But listen, here's the deal. All people are created with dignity and value. All people. All people. And our God's heart beats for justice. Our God's heart beats for this world to reflect that very reality. You see, justice isn't just a cool fad or something fun to talk about or something that makes us heroic. Justice is something that God loves. In fact, look at Psalm 33 says, the Lord loves righteousness and justice. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The whole earth is full of his unfailing love. All people are created with value and dignity. And we, as we seek to go be love and we seek to build bridges, we can restore dignity where there are systems or places or people that are seeking to strip it away from the very people that God has created in, in the Imago Dei, the, the image of God. And so what? What does this mean for us? Not just a so what for this message, but a so what for this Go Be Love series. Remember, this isn't just a four-week series. This is a 12-month emphasis and a lifelong application for us as followers of Christ as we seek to go be love. But when we began, in fact, all the way back when we did our uh, event at the iWireless, Pastor Sean began to say this quote. Check this out. That it's not enough that our hearts are different because of Jesus. Our city should be as well. It's not enough that our hearts are different. Our cities should be as well. And listen, as we go be love, as we go and be the people, the, the ones who the love of God compels us to pursue reconciliation, the love of God compels us to go tell people that any bondage that their experience can be overcome, the love of God compels us to get involved when people are facing tragedy and hurt, when the love of God compels us to stand into the gaps and people who are experiencing to declare, uh, despair and declare that there is hope in Jesus, our cities will look different. Our world will look different. And let me be more specific. Our cities and our world will be different as we proclaim freedom, as we live out the reality that the love of God is greater than any bondage. And we don't just live free, but we go and share the message that we, all people, can be free. You see, our cities and our world will be different as we demonstrate compassion, as we demonstrate compassion, 
and we display that the love of God is greater than apathy, when we're willing to get down on our hands and knees in the dirt and meet somebody that is hurting and broken, being willing to show care and concern because they have value, they have dignity, and we love them, and the love of God through us is displayed as we show that the love is greater than apathy. Our cities and our world will be different as we act as agents of hope. As we act as agents of hope, displaying that love is greater than despair. So when we come across somebody that is experiencing a great season of hopelessness and despair, we can say, listen, in Jesus, there is hope. And our world and our cities will be different as we seek to restore dignity. As we seek to restore dignity, showing that the love of God is greater than injustice. The love of God is greater than injustice. I was meeting this week with a journey group Journey Group, by the way, is a great opportunity for you to do life together, to live linked. We're not created to do life alone. We're created for, created for healthy relationships together. That's what that brochure that you got today was about. I encourage you to jump into a group. Don't do life alone. But I was meeting with one in Sherrard, Illinois, first time there, okay? Booming megatropolis of Sherrard. Yep, been there. But I was meeting with this group, and they had asked me to come share just a lot of these things that we've talked about today, things that God is asking us to lean into as a church. And I'm sharing things about Jefferson and Esperanza and God's asking us to move into the jails because there's men and women there that have the image and the, the dignity of God in our jails. And so God is asking us to move in there to love and serve them, right? And you guys know I'm fairly excitable. So here I am, I'm just telling stories and I'm excited because I really do think God is going to use this church to transform our cities. Well, the lady just to my left says, that's great. But how are you going to pay for it? And I was like, well, that's a good question. No, that's not what I said. I said, faith promise. Faith promise. See, that's why we've been talking about this over the last few weeks. That's why we've circled a goal of $350,000, because it's faith promise that positions us to step fully into Jefferson, to not only start with food pantries, but to get to, who knows, after-school programs, weekend children's programming, uh, the Jefferson Jets baseball squad that I'm ready to roll with, Right? It's faith promise that positions us down at the Esperanza Center to love and serve the people of Floresiente, to, to not only start the bus stop that we talked about last week, but to, to begin to, to create vehicles so that adults there in the Floresiente neighborhood can learn English so they can take next steps into what God has wired them for here in the United States. It's through faith promise that we are positioned to respond to emergencies when they happen, like things that happened in, in Nepal or, or Myanmar or, or Sierra Leone when we bought rice for all of the pastors there so they and their families could eat. It's, it's faith promise that positions us to support organizations like Youth Hope. And Diamond came up here and just rocked it today, didn't she? But it's Youth Hope is a ministry that Diamond is connected with and God has used to, to speak life into Diamond. It's through faith promise that we support ministries like Wellsprings that is seeing people set free from all kinds of bondage through the power of, power of Jesus. It's through faith promise that we're positioned to support organizations like Women's Choice Center and Pregnancy Resources so that they can give away free ultrasounds so that men and women can see that precious child that is created in the image of God and then they can make decisions to choose life and instead of death. It's through faith promise that we support missionaries all around the world who are proclaiming the gospel to Muslim people groups, seeing people's lives radically transformed through the gospel. And it's faith promise. 
And that's just a kind of scratch in the surface of all that's included in that. So I'd encourage you, that booklet, take that home, read it. There's partners in there. There's more information online. And you can find ways to pray. Stick it on your refrigerator so every time you open that thing, you can remember to pray for how God is using both us as a church and those organizations that we support. But our hope is, is over the last few weeks, we've kind of asked, would you just seek God's face and just say, God, what would you have me do? And just be obedient. No arm twisting, none of that stuff. But just saying, we know that our God's going to provide. But our hope is that you've done that. And today would be the day that you could fill out that bottom commitment card, this piece, and drop it in the bucket as we, you know, the buckets are passed in a little bit. But listen, our God is positioning heritage for significant things. In fact, our God has used heritage in a mighty way in the season past and is today. 105 baptisms this month, amazing. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, even greater things are ahead because our God is calling Heritage Church to be part of transforming our cities. And so I hope even giving faith promise that you'll be a part of that, but also that you'll step in and serve. Uh, That's where the Go Be Love table is. You can get more information. Make sure you do that. This is about much more than just a faith promise ask. And so as we conclude today, I want to go back to the scripture we started this Go Be Love journey with. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and go be love. And so I finish with this question today. What will you do today to go be love? What will you do today to go be love? And for some of us today, as I unpack the reality that you were created with value and dignity, and yes, we messed it up, and yes, sin entered the world, but you heard about this Jesus, this just God that knew a price had to be paid, so he sent his son to die. Maybe today is the day that you step into relationship with Jesus. And right on the backside of your, your note guy, there's a prayer that you can pray as I close us in prayer. And I encourage you today to step into relationship with Jesus. Be justified just as if your sin never happened. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the promise and the reality that you have created us in your image. And because of that, we have value. We have dignity. And God, thank you for the promise and the reality that all people have value and dignity. God, may we be a people who go be loved, who proclaim freedom, who demonstrate compassion, who act as agents of hope, who seek to build bridges to restore dignity. And God, as we do that, Will you transform our cities? Will you transform our world? May Jesus indeed be lifted up and glorified all over the globe. May the praises of our God and King, Jesus Christ, be lifted. And it's his name we pray today. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you.